Tom Chick, and I am here this week with Christian Podansky. That's close. It's Podolsky. That's what I said. And with a mama tagline, Kelly Wand. She can twist dudes' heads off, but can't open a fucking cardboard box. (laughs) Spoiler. Oh, yeah. Already with the profanity, hello. Yeah, there goes our PG-13 rating. Well, you know what? That's, we're allowed one of those before we have to be an R-rated uh, podcast. So uh, this is a PG-13 move. Well, you know what? We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, <laughs> Here it's just we... rated 14. Just the number 14 is the whole rating. In what Canada. does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's rating it on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> well, let's find out if that's close. But first, uh, before we do that, Kelly Wan, are you standing by your story? Your favorite movie of all of 2012 is Silver Linings Playbook. I just need to check in. What was yours again? I'll show you. There's a little thing called Zero Dark Thirty. Ah. Maybe one of the top movies this week, but you know what? I don't is there a Criterion know. Collector's Edition of it, like there is for Silver Linings Playbook? I have an answer for that. Yes. And Armageddon? Not yet. I forgot the question I asked you. Cause it was <laughs> all right, so you're standing by your assessment that the your favorite movie of 2012... Uh, only mere notches below Amazing Spider-Man is Silver Linings Playbook. Be aware, part of my decision is based on your incredulity, specifically, Tom. <laughs> Did you pronounce that word right? I don't know. <laughs> I just have to write it. Right. Kelly, I, I feel like you've put the doll back in incredulity. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I mean, thank you. Damn you. All right, let's, uh, let's... Wait, so you saw it, right? Just so we're clear. And Dingus hasn't seen it. Right, Dingus has not seen it. Uh, I'm sure he will. Uh, and it's a, I it's a perfect... it, but I'm a dumbass. Cause it's... I quite liked it. Yes, I quite liked it, but I just am still... I'm, I'm, I, I don't believe that you did not see other movies last year that you liked better. I just don't believe that. Name nine. I can name one. Nope. Okay, nine. Okay, I'll, I'll name nine. Nine. The other nine movies on your list. Oh, <laughs> uh, list. You and your words. At any rate, so all right, so you're sticking by it. We'll we'll just see how long that lasts, Kelly Wand. Because I can, you know what? I can stick this out. I can ask you this every week until you change your mind. Don't think I won't. Um. Yes. What was your favorite? Was Armageddon in your top ten the year Armageddon came out? Armageddon predated top ten lists. Yep. Was Armageddon, if you were going to go back to that year, would you make Armageddon your favorite movie of that year? That's beside the point. Anyway. (laughs) Guilty as charged, maybe. This argument's too boring to win now or lose. Well, let's get on then to what we saw this week. Uh, It was an interesting week for a number of reasons. But Dingus, what uh, movie was there of note for us this week? What did did we see this week, Dingus? All right. Well, this week we saw Mama, or Mama, Mm. a 2013 Spanish-Canadian horror comedy movie about a lady who runs away from a hospital for sad people. 
It was directed by Andres Muschietti and Andy Muschietti, and written by Neil Cross, Andy Muschietti, and Barbara Muschietti. It stars Jessica Chastain, Nicolaj Kosterwaldau, and can we get a, can we can we get a take two on that name, Dingus? Yes, Nicolaj Costner and Daniel Cash. Uh, all angry Norwegians right into Dingus. That was Dingus doing that. All angry Norwegians love that movie. Uh, Mama is rated PG thirteen mm. for violence mm-hmm. and terror. Some disturbing images, and my very favorite thing now is thematic elements. <laughs> I know that's my favorite too. It's all the right. one left after all the all the other standards have changed. That's the one that goes. Well, it's still got that thematic element. Yeah. Right. Uh, I would be hard pressed to think of a movie that did not have thematic elements. <laughs> but this one had it in spades. Apparently, Silver Lining Playbook doesn't. It's above that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's above thematic elements. Yeah, it's graduate way past orders. Of, you wouldn't even, you can't even fall. See, it goes over Tom's head. I reacted to Silver Linings Playbook the way uh, Bradley Cooper reacted to Ernest Hemingway. Hey, thanks. <laughs> hey. Oh wait, I had a confession to make to you. Do you want me to do it now or later? Wait, he was in Midnight in Paris. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, what is your confession? Confess to us, Kelly Wand. There's one podcast we did where I didn't see the movie, but I didn't get caught by you guys, and you fell for it. Kelly Wand? <laughs> Only one. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I am not surprised, Kelly Wand. <laughs> uh, give us, do you want to give us a hint as to what it was? Mm, no, because it, it'll be a fun contest. Like The listeners have to judge from how... I see. And what do they win if they guess correctly? A free Xbox. With the red ring. <laughs> uh, can I can I make a guess? Should we put our guesses in, or should we write them? Should we write them into the podcast? You only get three guesses for your life, your whole life. All right. Biggest uh, you have a guess? guess? My, my guess is Marcy Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene. Nope. Yeah, pretty uh-huh. sure that one. All right, so stay tuned, and uh, Dingus will maybe have two other guesses, and maybe Kelly Wand will uh, will confess as to what the movie was that he didn't see. Uh, I have a confession to make. Uh, of all the movies that we have seen and discussed on this podcast, uh, I've not missed a single one. I'm sorry. That's uh, not- uh, my my confession is I've missed every single one of them. <laughs> there we go. We've got all of our bases covered. Three <laughs> of us. See? Uh, this, this week, uh, Mama, I, w- I was a little surprised at this, but upon reflection, I can understand completely why it happened. Mama came in at number one this weekend. Uh, what? It made, what? Take it, that, Zero Dark Thirty. Well, Zero Dark Thirty, by the way, came in at number two with a, a very nice uh, $17 million take. It's, it's, I, I think it, it definitely has legs. I couldn't be happier about Zero Dark Thirty. You know what a euphemism for number two is? Silver. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually came in, I think, number three, Kelly Wand, because that opened wide this weekend. Um, and it's got, you know, it's got Oscar buzz. I think Bradley Cooper lends us some star power. Certainly uh, Jennifer Lawrence as well. Uh, that's doing very well. Um, but uh, so Mama beat all movies, including, and this is what surprised me. There was a Mark Wahlberg, Russell Crowe thriller called Broken City. And there's a Schwarzenegger movie called Last Stand that opened this weekend. Uh, and I was I, I was kind of sure that the Schwarzenegger movie would come in first place, but it did. It, it well, I, I think yeah. I mean, I, doesn't he still sell tickets? I don't know. Apparently not, because Last Stand came in 
tenth place. <laughs> it only made six million dollars. That makes me. Uh, My son made that. me watch that X Men movie, the, the X, the third X Men movie this week. And do, do, you, do you guys remember that X Men Three is also called X Men Three: The Last Stand? Yes, I do. That's right. Uh, That's right. So didn't make any sense that title. I didn't think. Uh, doesn't isn't there a, isn't there a, uh, don't they make a last stand in that movie? They just fight and they're all on wires. That's <laughs> but if it's, stand. if it's just... at the end of the movie, it's the last stand, so that works. Well, I think the thinking with the Schwarzenegger movie was that because a Russell Crowe, Mark Wahlberg thing opened against it, they kind of cannibalized each other. Um, but more important, I mean, I just I, I I guess Schwarzenegger's just not selling tickets anymore. I, I really thought that that would be a big deal. They cannibalized each other. Sorry, go on. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I think also it points to they had trouble with marketing. Dingus, you were laughing about how it became a, a comic book ad uh, campaign with Johnny Knoxville and a goofy hat and a big gun. It looked like a video game thing. Oh, uh, he's in it too. Yeah, yeah, I think he's the sidekick. Um, so neither of them sell tickets. Apparently not. Yeah, Number- but didn't he become governor initially because he wasn't? You know, he's like a fifty-year-old action star then, so he becomes governor because he's not going to be able to sell tickets anymore and now it's like why would he suddenly be able to uh nostalgia i don't know well the expendables i mean i was guessing on this all of them that's that's a good point yeah maybe johnny knoxville isn't enough to make up for nine 80s action stars in tow behind stallone you have a good point Uh, but at any rate i thought that that was kind of hilarious 10th place i mean that uh, oh that's just got to be crushing (laughs) that means there are 10 movies out Nine of which people saw. So, yeah, so Mama came in first place, handily beat uh, second place, 28 million. Zero Dark Thirty was second place at 17 million. So, Mama had a very, very good weekend. And more importantly, Jessica Chastain now, uh, you know, critical darling and maybe a commercial darling. You know, she's in the top two movies uh, of the weekend. Um, so, uh, yeah, however, if we look at the critical response, uh, things are a little bit more lukewarm towards Mama on Metacritic which averages the ratings from reviews that use ratings. Mama is at 58. On Rotten Tomato, which gives you the percentage of reviews that are considered positive. <laughs> That's the singular version of the website. Rotten Tomatoes, right, right, right. On this Rotten Tomato page for Mama, uh, it is at 62% positive. Hmm. Huh. There you go. Now... What I, uh, I think maybe I can speak for Dingus, but certainly what I am eager to hear is Kelly Wan reminding me what I saw this week. Kelly Wan, what would you call it if you were to do such a thing for me and Dingus and the listeners? Do you have a guess? Mamopsis. Yeah, I know. It's really <laughs> no, it's fun. It's fun to say it. I mean, that's a fun word. Dingus, I want you to, let's all do it. Dingus, say the word mamopsis. Say it. It's fun. Do it. Um, mamopsis. I See? was going to say, what's the other choice? Mopsis? What would Mopsis. you do? Yeah, but that, please, come on. That, that's a far less funny word. Or just miss. <laughs> I, I thought you, if when you guess it, you always seem kind of bummed, usually. Like, no, no, this is a fun word, mamopsis. I've gotten to say it three times on this podcast, and it's just as fun as the first time I said it. It is Mamop- Mamopsis. I'm going to say it again. Mamopsis. Mamopsis. Yeah. And do it with a vaguely Spanish accent, as if you're... As if a Spanish director has told you to say the word. Mamopsis. Uh, uh. No, you're doing you're doing a Mario <laughs> for the Italian. It's a whole different uh, swore the European Kelly wand. No, I you sound like uh, Nicolaj uh, Costa Waldau's accent sticking mm-hmm. out. 
Or as as we call him, Tier Jamie Lannister. Mm. Well put. Oh, that's for you, Kelly Wand. All right, I forgot he had the last that wacky name. Fuck, and he was blonde. He was the Lannister blonde. Got him dumb. Well, Kelly Wand, how about more of that with a mamopsis? Mamopsis. A guy's car is double parked in his driveway with the door open. It's radios all. And in the biggest financial news since the stock market crash of 1929, a stock market guy shot his two partners and is probably on his way home to kill his ex-wife and their two daughters. Police say they won't be in this movie at all. (laughs) These daughters are hanging out in somebody's bedroom. The older one's nearsighted. The younger one's nuts. They hear a gunshot. Then their dad... In with a smoking gun. Come on, girls, we need to drive down a snowy road right now. The glasses kid's all, uh, did you just shoot mommy? He's all, mommy's not feeling well. Uh, when she eats broccoli, her farts sound like 32 caliber bullets. Let's go now before I shoot both of you sooner. They bail. Their wiener schnitzel dogs all, what? <laughs> Can you do the dog again? Come on, what is it saying? Uh, it's because he's long. That's so he draws it out. Like, <laughs> what's his, what's what, his name, uh, by the way? dog. Oh, what is it? Oh, dadgummit. Andy? No, Luce? Oh. What was I it, Dingus? I believe his name is Handsome. Oh, no, Hansel. I thought they were saying Hansel. No, Han- oh, Hansel. Like Hansel and Gretel, I thought. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. All right, Kelly, so that was great. I'm sorry. I loved your uh, rendition of the dog's performance. I'm that they named the dog that now, though. Thanks a lot, Tom. You know, we're going to get back to that. I have a thing or two to say about that dog. So go ahead. So Kelly, when the dog goes, what? And then? Yeah. They drive down an icy road to wherevs. Glasses, kids all. You're driving too fast for icy road conditions. Also, your gun's dirty. Also, if you get pissed off and yell at me, at least keep your eyes on the road. He turns to stare at her and goes, actually, that's a good. Then he drives off a cliff. It crashes into some trees hundreds of feet down, kind of like Mama later a couple times. But nobody <laughs> dies or gets hurt at all. <laughs> oh, you drank? I hurt you? Okay. You hurt me. He drags them through the woods to a creepy cabin. Glasses girl looks at in the window and goes, hey, there's somebody inside. The dad's all, shut up, honey. You've been wrong about everything. Driving too fast. The glasses kid's all, seriously? You're not even going to look in the window? Why would I lie? But he's already dragging her in. Glasses kid looks out the window and goes, hey, look, a lady not touching the floor, even though it's outside and technically ground. (laughs) (laughs) She turns around to see her dad aiming the gun at her head and taking her glasses off and goes, why didn't you shoot us back in the house or in the woods? The dad's all, God damn it! You sound just like the Security Exchange Commission. (laughs) You guys are easy tonight. He tries to shoot her, but some CG tricks him by eating him. Later that night, the kids somehow start a fire in the fireplace and stare at it till an eggplant boinks one of them in the knee. Glasses kids all, hey, look, that CG that ate our dad rolled a cherry towards us. Let's mature into adulthood here. (laughs) (laughs) Climb out, it'd take 20 minutes. Five years opening credit by an old man and Harry Dean Stanton call a dumbass and go, Hey, it's us, those two guys you've been paying to look for your dead brother and his two daughters since the cops don't exist or private investigators and you can't do it yourself because... Girlfriends in a band? Anyway, we know it's been five years, but today we were thinking of finally getting around to checking out that busted guardrail and sets of tire tracks. 
doesn't seem like much to go on, but Lenny here's got to go, as he calls it. <laughs> Speaking of which, your last payment to us bounced, but we'll work today for free anyway. Later! <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton finds the car wreck by peeing on it, and the cabin by walking to it. They find the girls in the cabin, where their five years of cabination have left them emaciated, feral, and CG. They somehow get them out of the woods without them scuttering off for Mama killing anyone and into a creepy kid lab with bulletproof glass. The dad's brother, Edward Burns, with a beard, goes to a courtroom. He's all, an older... (laughs) Objection! His brother killed my sister, but as you can tell from my severe expression, I'm unsympathetic. The judge is all sustained. Ed Burns and his girlfriend, Pat Benatar, go to the lab. The dad from a single man's the city's only psychiatrist. He had this lab ready in advance because he had a feeling. He's all, getting him to be less CG is going to be extremely difficult. Ed Burns goes into the kid lab and tells the glasses girl, Hi, honey, I'm your uncle. Pretty sure I do nothing the whole movie unless getting neck blood on stairs counts. Don't worry, I'll be fine. It's a small neck. Speaking of which, I know this is our first meeting, but I had these somehow made for you. He hands her some glasses. She puts them on and goes, wow, my vision hasn't changed in five years. It's a miracle. <laughs> Single man takes Ed Burns and Benatar into his office, which is also the kids <laughs> just a couple feet away, but surrounded by a smaller cube of bulletproof glass. He folds his hands and goes, it's my professional diagnosis that if I write a research paper about your kid's insanity, they might print it in a cult monthly. I'll be rich. But the only way that'll happen is if I spend even more money housing all you guys in this creepy Amityville mansion I had built last year because I had a feeling they're all cool. They move in. Pat Benatar finishes playing a single note on her amplifier and walks past the kid's bedroom. She looks in and goes, fuck you guys, and shuts the door. She yells in Ed Burns' ear till he mumbles awake and has sex with her. She's all, hey, your brother lost a bunch of money, killed some people, then drove a car off a cliff and twisted his own head off by tripping over a nail in some cabin. You're not a dumbass, too, are you? Same genetics and shit. <laughs> so how can you even ask me that? It's me, Lucas Burson. I love Then he gets up, stares at a CG stain on the wall, starts to and falls down some stairs. Luckily, his, his neck breaks his fall. Meanwhile, the Apache grandma secretary takes single man in a Canadian superstore. There's shit on shelves 200 feet up, but luckily the one she wants is at eye level. She takes the box off the shelf and goes, do you believe in ghosts? He's all, yeah, I'm a psychiatrist and you're a law enforcement secretary or something. She's all gravely. When people die, the elements desiccate their remains and they get twisted and dry. And have a chalky undertaste. And he's all, uh, what are, unless they get drowned or cremated. She's all, shh, the spirits are bored by this dialogue. Here's a skull. She hands him the box. They stare at it. He's all, we don't open this till the end of the movie. <laughs> she says nothing. He's all, is there something shocking in it? She's like, oh. He's all, uh. Single man goes to the cabin with the flashlight and a Polaroid. He's all, I know what you want. The ghost eats him. Meanwhile, Ed Burns is dreaming in the hospital. He dreams his brother's ghost points left under an overpass and says, Save my kids. Ed Burns is all, the ones you wanted to shoot? The bro 
Ghost is all. Yeah. Ed Burns is all. Uh, how's the overpass fit in again? Brost is all. I'm pointing my arm out under it. I think it's the direction the cabin's in from here. Ed Burns is all. Oh. Did you die under the overpass? No. Okay. <laughs> Did the CG moth mean anything? No. My crazy <laughs> daughter eats them. Oh. But she becomes one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pat Benatar comes to the hospital. She's all, you kids suck at this fucking CG ghost. He's all, settle down, I get out today. But he doesn't get out that day. The kids keep trying to run away and eventually succeed, but only the crazy one chooses to jump off a cliff and turn into a moth, and the ghost is by cradling the skull on the box. The end. I ran out of time. Sorry. Oh, thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, all right, let's do a quick source material check. Who here has seen the short? Yeah. Mama. Uh-huh. All right. All right. I, I, uh, I saw it. I, I like what the how the movie subverts it. Yeah. So my dog. My dog does too. <laughs> I think I that, dog actually. It sounded suspiciously like the ghost of a woman thrown yeah. off of a cliff by Puritans and living in a closet. Yeah. Somehow. Now, Dingus, you are a homeowner. I'm wondering, uh, what do you do when you find uh, weeping sores on the wallpaper? Uh, I stick my face in it. (laughs) All right. Uh, So, okay, the dog's name was Hansel. What happened to the freaking dog? Is it just me, or did did they forget they had a cool dog in this movie? Mm, well, the only thing that can happen to it is it gets killed. So in a way, we should be grateful. What do you mean? What happens to it? It 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 arrives conveniently and and then goes and goes to sleep, like the way dogs do. Dogs do not make noise. They never bother you. And when people are around, they don't make any noise. Well, all I know is Abby in Paranormal Activity Two wouldn't have stood up for for any of that guff. She would have been present during later scenes. They seems, it seems like they forgot they had a cool dachshund in, in this movie. Uh, I was a little upset about that. And the dachshund just goes, oh, look, a ghost, and likes it, and, like, doesn't, like, it's friendly. Abby's Which, a German Shepherd. German Shepherds will kick your ass. They don't, yeah. yeah, they don't tolerate ghosts. German Shepherds are, are bred to, to ferret out ghosts, I believe. Um, uh, all right, well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, which one of you guys is going to go to bat for this movie as not being horrible? Hmm. No takers? Kelly Wand, are you not up to that today? Mm, I was kind of liking it for a little bit, but then at the end I realized I hadn't seen anything I hadn't seen before. Like, it rips off everything. And it's not as good. It's like it wasn't scary enough. I never give a shit why the ghost is pissed off, and this ghost wasn't evil enough. It's not scary if she's putting uh, What's-Your-Face to sleep. So, Dingus, you're going to have to champion this movie. All right, I'll go for it. Uh, I was super uh, excited that for at least a scene and a half, I didn't recognize Jessica Chastain, even though I knew she was going to be in the movie. And then, and, um, and then to, uh, I don't know, I would say it, at about 20 minutes near the end, it tanks so hard and becomes a comedy that um, I started laughing out loud and everybody else in the theater did too, so that was fun. But, uh, but there's some stuff... That's okay, and and I love her, and I was just so taken with the fact that God, I didn't even know it was her playing Joan Jed or um, what? Oh, Pat Benatar, as as Kelly Wan said, uh, that I was fine with that. And then 
I, I would, of course, uh, cast him as Checky Cario rather than Ed Burns. Ah, yes. Well, he does have, you know, there. He's, I think he's, is he Eastern European or Norwegian? He's in a really good movie, so a lot of folks will know him, Nicholas Kastner, Wavner, or whatever, uh, as uh, Jamie Lannister from the Game of Thrones movie. But <clears throat> if you haven't seen a thriller, a Norwegian thriller about, and this is not a lie, this is really what it's about, about an art dealer called Headhunters. Uh, I heartily recommend Headhunters. Uh, he's not the lead actor in it, but he's really good in it. He's doing what he does. Uh, he's, he's a fascinating actor. Um, so uh, for fans of that guy, uh, check out Headhunters. Um, Dingus, you singled out Jessica Chastain. I, 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 have very, I have very few good things to say about this movie. I, I might try to get to some <laughs> of them. But one of the good things that – one of the not good things I have to say about this movie is that I thought Jessica Chastain was just awful – I mean, part of it is there was really nothing for her to do there, but she just seemed really out of place, and maybe it's just because I was so fond of Zero Dark Thirty and Take Shelter, and this just seemed like such a thankless part, and she did nothing with it, and it seemed like it was entirely, pretty much, the the performance consisted of a haircut and a tank top with cleavage. Uh, Uh, don't, Don't discount the tattoo. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. Good point, Dingus. <laughs> uh, I just hated her in this. I, I pretty much hated everyone in this. You hated it's, her in this? I thought she I really was, didn't like I thought her. Thought she was all right. Go ahead. I, I cut you off. But you thought how would you how would you characterize her that you uh, liked her? Uh, I thought she was she was doing yeoman's work with a, a script that is utterly horrible, uh, and you know trying to extend what is essentially a commercial into a movie, and. Um, and I th- I thought she did a-, a fine job. I mean, she okay. I, I but I I'm predisposed to really like her, and I was surprised that I didn't recognize her. And I I think she does she does fine. She does fine. I, I don't. I, it's, it's not her fault. It's it, you're, I, I should would hang out on the writer. I mean, there's nothing she could have done. Well, does. it's not just that. I mean, I think she does some interesting things with a weird little part, and I I I think it is a thankless role in a lot of ways, but she's doing these weird things with this odd family dynamic that she tries to make work. Um, and I think she does as well as she can do with a script that is utterly reprehensible. I mean, it's a horrible movie, but I think she does fine. I, I don't think, I, I, w- I don't think that she's terrible at all. Okay. Uh, what makes this a horrible movie, Dingus? So we've talked about the script. Is that what you're talking about? Is there more to it than that? Well, there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, if if you can sum it up into the idea that they actually use the camera flash gag, that's Ugh. pretty much it. Uh, I don't know that there's anything here to recommend it. It's a ghost story that doesn't make any sense, and it, there's nothing scary about it whatsoever. And... There's n- there's no character motivation whatsoever. Why are they in this house? What the hell is going on here? Uh, I don't uh, I don't think there's anything to recommend it. Uh, you know, I remember us watching um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Is that the movie we saw? The remake. Don't be afraid of the dark. Right. Yeah, the the remake, and this actually notches below that. Ooh. Um, I don't I don't find anything scary about it whatsoever. There's a couple of go- well, there's a bunch of goofy cat scares. There's a lot of stuff that's borrowed from other movies. There's a bunch of things that don't pay off. And I don't. I, is there anything to recommend this movie? 
I thought it had a few good scenes, uh, which is not that surprising considering that the short, uh, that Muschietti, is that his name, Dingus? Yeah. The the short that Andre Muschietti did is a great scene. So I'm kind of not surprised that the guy who made that can manage a couple of other, I don't know about great, but a couple of other good scenes. There's nothing in the movie that I think rivals or is as good as uh, that short. I mean, the short just has a lot of technical wizardry in it. It's got great little performances. The special effects come in at just the right time. They get, they show you just as much as you need to see. They're not overused like they are here. But there are a couple of scenes where I can see, okay, this director kind of knows how to craft a cool scene. Uh, one of which is... Um, uh, that that divided shot where you can see Jessica Chastain down the hall and you see into the little girl's room and the little girl's playing tug of war like that whole scene right there. I and really like that. that later. The the, the, the blanket the, reveal, yeah, that's that, yeah. that's cute. Yeah, well, look, so I like both the room, same thing. He keeps doing it. Uh, I like that scene. Uh, I I liked the the. Uh, and maybe just because I was so bored at, at this point, but the freaky point of view re- dream bit, like when it when it went to that uh, sort of sepia tone photography, and you're just seeing from the ghost perspective, like that had a, that had some nice energy to it. I kind of liked that sequence. Um, I really liked uh, the scene where the youngest girl uh, reacts to the warmth of Jessica Chastain's breath. Uh, and, you know, what you can sort of extrapolate from that, that up to this point, she's only been cradled by something that's dead and does not have warm breath. Like, I really liked how much, how, how there was some character development in that scene. And, again, I think that's just because there was so little else to like in, in the movie. Um, so, and a, a couple of th- a couple of things, like, I guess that's pretty much it. That's my list. So th- there were a few scenes that I, I did in, enjoy. Um, uh, you know, I like that scene, too, actually. You're right, Tom. But But I liked it from the point of view of, what Jessica Chastain was trying to do with that actress and what that actress was trying to do as well. Right. Um, I just like the physical struggle of that scene and also understanding how, how a parent or a caretaker in that situation has to restrain a child that is completely out of control. I, I don't know how she knew how to do that as that particular character, but I liked the way that pr- that scene progressed so you're right. I, I did. I, I did appreciate that. You're right. Uh, I loved that uh, one of the little girls was like a, a box cat, like wanting to jump into boxes. I thought that was really cute. Uh, little touches like that. Here's what I mostly hated about this movie. Uh, early, like the the opening scene, um, the the premise. I really was excited when it unveiled the premise because I thought. Kelly, one you alluded to this. I thought we were going to see something we hadn't seen before. Whereas instead, all that premise gets lost in favor of showing us things that we have seen before. It's a typical, not very well done, uh, haunted house movie melded with a creepy kid movie. And all of that is very familiar. There's nothing new there. Um, But what I thought we were going to get and what I was really hoping for was a scene what was a movie about these little girls being raised by this scary, creepy ghost. I thought we were going to get more interaction with these little girls and this and mama. And and what it made me think of, like, like I'm sitting there watching the movie and I'm like, oh, it's not going to do that. And I'm just sort of bored and squirming and thinking, well, gosh, if I had told that, you know, if I had some control over this script, what I really wanted was something like, I think of the opening scenes of My Neighbor Totoro, which is just about two little girls moving into a new house, and it's, it's an animated movie, but it, it, the movie is just about these little girls playing, 
Uh, and it's very much this this window into like kid logic and and the kid perspective on the world. And I thought maybe we we were gonna get that mixed with this crazy like almost Japanese horror crazy ghost witch thing. And how awesome would that have been? So when we cut to them, oh, they're found, they're rescued, and now the ghost is just gonna stalk the family in the house. Uh, I I just felt like there was a, a missed opportunity. You know, when the, when the she rolls the cherry out to the little girls, I, I wanted to see more of that kind of stuff. Um, and there's, you know, I guess we maybe got a little bit of that at the end, but by that time the movie was just so incredibly ridiculous and overwrought uh. that there was just no salvaging it. Um, uh, so uh, let. Uh, as a creepy kid movie, did any of that work for you guys? No, because they weren't creepy. They were too cute. They were yeah. adorable. And I, they didn't stay... At the beginning, you go, oh, they're going to CG the kids, like in Splice. But then they abandon that conceit, like as right. soon as they get to the house. They, they do clean up pretty nice, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the Guillermo, Guillermo. How am I saying it wrong? You got it. Keep going. <laughs> like he, like Pan's Labyrinth was about uh, that girl's relationship with these otherworldly creatures. So you, you, I would have the same as what you said. So I would have expected a movie he championed to have that vibe going for it instead of fucking Paranormal Activity. It's the same shit and the same ones over and over. Same fucking gimmicks. Hey, look, it's something under a blanket that's not friendly. She thinks it's just someone like a kid under the blanket, but we, the audience, know. And by the way, I hate that. Quit jerking me around and showing me stuff the main characters can't think. And, like, scaring me. Like, things yeah. jumping in the foreground. Faces zooming at the camera. Oh, God. that Like, when, when you see the... You know, that mama figure moving behind Jessica Chastain, and then she turns around, and the figure has rushed at her. I was like, okay, well, this is going to be the reveal where she sees the ghost, and... You know, the ghost is basically out of the closet, and so now what is the movie going to do? But no, that was just for the benefit of the audience. The ghost was basically rushing at the camera to psych right. out the audience. And, and at that point, it's, you know... It, it was mugging. Yeah, very good, Kelly Wand. Once the ghost starts mugging for us... <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Never be! <laughs> and where were the rules? Changed, right. Too, like, there's, I, it's, there's no rules in this movie whatsoever. Well, Dingus, let me say, so... She can go underground and through walls except for her hair. You see? That's as deep as she can go, Dingus. It's like a submarine that can't submerge all the way. So she becomes a little hair thing that's like a killer wig on the ground. Um, let's see. Uh, she can hack into the uh, computers at a hospital. How about <laughs> that's that, Dingus? Because that, right. that's what she's trying to do. She's trying to teach that guy who's having the dream their names. She can, uh, she can possess at least one person. How about that? <laughs> For what, though? I know. What, what became of that? What's the point? <laughs> I have a question about ghost logic. In this movie, and I was thinking about it during The Grudge, too. It's like, if somebody turns into an evil ghost because they died violently and or unjustly, shouldn't all their victims also turn into ghosts because they all got fucked over by this ghost? Like, they're good all... point. <laughs> it's the same injustice and violent death. Yeah. Uh, what was the... Uh... All right, so I'm hesitant. Well, you know what? I'm going to bring this up. So was the implication that this – you know, I hate to say this, so it, send angry letters to Dingus. Was the implication that, that she had Down syndrome or that there was some sort of a disability that she had? Who? The, the woman. And that that's the why ghost? she couldn't have the baby? Yeah, before she was a No, ghost. she was a she sad was a person. person. 
this. Yeah. Not she, a, she escaped from a hospital for sad people. It burns to death. All right. Okay. I just, no, uh, I, I don't understand the um, the creature uh, design. The creature design in this at all. I, I, I mean, part of it, I guess, is based on that short. And the short, I think, and this is the danger of getting a getting a director to say. Okay, you've you've made a three minute short. Now go ahead and expand it into an hour and forty minutes. Um, and he had a cool. It has a cool visual style to it. There's the, the that the mama character in that short is creepy and wonderful. I mean, I, I really like that. I I don't like the way they tried to go with with expanding that scene with mama's here. Let's run away. And, yeah, the, there was no, what were the rules behind that? And don't look at her. Like what? What? You're not supposed to look at her. What, what, when were you going to tell us the audience about this? Or what? Yeah, what was the point of that? And how did well, she know that? Well, yeah. who knows? Because part of what they're doing is that she's going to get jealous. But why doesn't she actually kill the Annabelle character or and yeah. she the guy instead? Uh, it's there's there's no reason for it. The one thing I like is the is the subversion of. Jessica Chastain appearing at the top of the stairs instead of Mama, you know, because that's what you see in the short. But the the short has this wonderful visual sensibility, but instead it works into this weird, extended Art Deco, strange, limmy person that I I don't find at all scary, and I don't understand what they're doing with the design of this creature. It's not scary. I don't think this movie is scary in the slightest. You know what, Dingus, it strikes me as similar to what J.J. Abrams was trying to do in uh, that eight, uh, Super 8, where we're going to make a monster and we're going to be scary, but oh, when we show it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to look like human and sympathetic and nice yeah. and sort of be friendly. And it, it's sort of like you get hamstrung on these the twin de- demands of trying to make something menacing and scary and convince us throughout the movie that it's awful and it's doing terrible things and killing people, but at a crucial moment, you want it to have sad eyes. Why, <laughs> though? Why do I want to see that thing's sad eyes? Because, Kelly Wand, this movie is going to end up being a a fable about a little girl turned into a butterfly. You see? Uh, That's horrifying. (laughs) And honestly, Guillermo, with the moths and the wings, can you give us a break at some point? Can you move on to another image? They're a metaphor. Yeah, Dingus, they're a metaphor. What are they a metaphor? You child hater. Uh, The passing of the ages. (laughs) I, see. I just couldn't believe we were we were again seeing a, a, a conglomeration of moths in one of his movies. I think I mean, is that what you call is that what you call a gathering of moths? A conglomeration? That's what I call it. Yes. Doesn't he? Isn't that embarrassing at some point? Don't you at, at some point go? Yeah, I shouldn't produce this because there's moths in it. I mean, what? Jesus. What? No, moths are. Yeah, they're not. They're not gross enough to be horror. Uh, I just feel like I've seen Guillermo del Toro do this uh, flapping wing moth thing, and maybe it's only happened in Mimic and in Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth has no, no. He's a, I'm sure they're in Kronos. There's little fly bug kind of things. It's like John Woo and doves. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. It's his. It's his signature. It's his power animal thing. Is give the guy a break. His face. <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer penguins, to be honest. Uh, okay. At some point, I have in my notes. Oh. Did I catch this right? Uh, Who's, who says nice butt, Bruce? Is, is she watching Silent Running or something? What was yeah, that? Uh, wait, that wasn't Silent Running. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It's because that's Bruce Dern, isn't it? Right. That's all I could figure out. It was such a brief glimpse. And 
So okay, so explain What's that, that connection. I don't understand. And, and yeah, and who looks at Bruce Dern and says, "Nice butt, Bruce." Why is Silent Running referenced in this? Movie? Yeah, explain this to us, Dingus. Thematically, thematic elements in PA explain them at least. If you're gonna rate it, please. Uh, there's no way I can uh, describe that unless I'm uh, married to Bruce Dern. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so here's another thing I would like to request for for all horror movies, at least for the next five years. I, I would just like to request a moratorium on scenes of people doing research. Can we just stop? I, with- I want to ca- impose a moratorium on like yes. with people calling out names long lots of times. What do you mean calling out names? Lily, Mama, all that shit's got to go. Mm, Kelly, one, you're gonna. That's gonna cut into the running. The movies are gonna be awfully short then if you do that. Okay, no mods. <laughs> no mods. Uh, also, uh, crazy archive lady. What, what was that? A, was yeah. that like a joke scene? What was that? Look at that! Look at those archives. How high are those shelves? How the hell are they gonna get to the top of those shelves? Yeah, they put dead bodies up there because putting them in graves would have been too much hassle. So we'll put them fifty feet up on this metal shelf. That- uh, Diggis, were you okay with the little child actors? Because I was pretty unimpressed with them. I yeah. thought they were horrible. Uh, you know, I don't understand the rules about the glasses, for one thing. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on with either one of them, and I thought they were both terrible. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to say that about kids, because uh, I like kids, uh, but I, I don't think those actors... Uh, you know, saying they were terrible is a little harsh. They're fine. I didn't believe them. They, weren't, believe they, they weren't incompetent. I'm convinced. But they're, they're no Cameron Bright. I wish you had been on the set so that after a take, you could have said to those kids, I didn't believe that. Go back. Do another take. I'm not believing you. I mean, really chew that moth to bits. <laughs> like, my favorite moments was was early in the movie when, when for some reason, Annabelle has to become their guardian because uh, Chucky Cario is in the hospital. And she says, good night. <laughs> and she smacks one of them on the head. She, she just goes, good night. <laughs> it's not really it's not really like beating the kid it's just like i, I don't know how to deal with you so right. i'm just gonna pat you on the head but i don't really know how to even do that because i'm a bassist or i was because <laughs> i've now left my band magically but i just <laughs> love that good night whap I, you know i think it's you're making me like her, be less annoyed with her for being in this movie thank you do you remember her playing bass and looking sexy with a bass <sighs> nobody looks sexy with a bass dingus uh, that's the truth. Name one person. Name us. Go ahead. Na- try to name a sexy bassist. I, I defy you. Gordon Chris, Sumner. Chrissy Hind. Nope. You both failed. Sorry. Uh, you're telling me Sting isn't sexy when he's holding a bass. I am. Yes. All right. That's where Who's we're gonna part ways. <laughs> yeah. Drummer. Uh, so, did this remind you guys of any other horror movies? Actually, you know what? what did, yeah, were there any horror movies this did not remind me of? <laughs> I can't believe they used the flash gag. I know I already said that, but really? That's yeah. what you're going to do? You're going to use the camera flash gag? Because that's, that's what recent, they do. It's like constant every movie lately. The Katie Holmes one, Apollo 18. <laughs> did you really do that? Somebody actually wrote a script that had a flash gag in it, and and they're constantly sending characters off into ridiculous situations. It, that's where, at, at some point, it, it became a comedy. You're really going to use the flash gag? Honestly? Where's the, 
Where's the first place you guys have seen that flash gag? Can you can you think of the earliest that you've seen it? The Great Train Robbery. Mm, Kelly, one, I don't think that's in there because they didn't even have flash bulbs in. You'd have to like oh. fill the you'd have to fill the tray with powder again, and do it just take too long. Wait, is that uh, powder? The earliest I've seen it in is uh, the original Saw did it, where I think Lee Wanell's character gets kidnapped. Uh, he's I, using a flash. To believe that Saw had an original, like that's this franchise that it You know what? Saw gets unfairly dinged. The, the original Saw has its horrible moments, mainly with Danny Glover. But the basic premise of the original Saw is really good. Uh, there, there's some clever bits in the original Saw. It gets played out o- over the successive movies. Um, but I, I, there's some original bits in Saw, Kelly Wand. It's a cool sort of like puzzle movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. I said that. And you know what else, Kelly Wand? The Happening... Uh, has, yeah, a good, continue. Has, has, a, has a good script. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't dispute that, but I do stand by the fact that the happening script is at, at the very least intriguing, and at the best, it's maybe actually good. What are you talking? How? What? Who? That's right. That's right. I said that. So here's a, I, I had, uh, the dialogue is terrible. A. That's not that's not the exclusive feature of a script. There's other parts to a script than the dialogue, Kelly Wand. Mm. Okay. We'll have a we'll have a, a podcast where we defend horrible movies at some point, and I will come to bat for the happenings script. So now. on the page when they run away from the wind, you really felt it. But in the <laughs> here's what I'll say, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, there's a way to make that script work. M Night Shyamalan's way is not the way to do it, but there is a way to make that script work. I think. <sighs> <laughs> also, 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 Kelly Wand, also, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Not, not, a, not, a, not an asset. You for, pick the weirdest fights in the set. Like, see, it's just because of all these things that it sucks. But this one, like, I don't, you still didn't say, like, one thing about it that's good. You're going, okay, this is all that's lame. Mark Wahlberg. Uh, here's the thing. I could hold forth about it. Uh, the cool, so it, just you know, one no. thing. One thing okay. that's good about it. Okay. But, yeah. Its vision of the apocalypse as an existential crisis where people uh, have to be alone to survive is a cool idea. And the movie does cool things with separating the characters from one another and at the very end actually forcing characters to sit at different places and talk through a tube. Like I think is a great metaphor. <laughs> Hold on. Dingus, don't laugh because you haven't seen it. You don't know what I'm talking about. It sounds goofy. They have to talk through like a slave, a tube from the slave days. <laughs> uh, it's a great like metaphor. A slave tube, of course. They even call it that, I think. It's called slave tube. guys like hot dogs? That guy's cool. Wait, I'm trying to say something cool about it. It's a, okay. cool, it, it's a cool metaphor for the effect of technology. It, Kelly Wan, it's like Pulse. If you think that Pulse works as a horror movie, which I do, you have to concede that the script for The Happening is not necessarily horrible. Premise and is not a script, just as dialogue is not a script. I agree. I, I win. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll call it a tie. Uh, anyway, I wanted to bring up a movie in which a scary little girl talks to a psychiatrist uh, that I made Dingus watch the scene beforehand. Uh, Dingus, did you enjoy that scene? There's a movie called Case 39 in which Renee Zellweger uh, is a, an adoption worker, and she adopts a little girl, a, a troubled girl from an abused home, uh, from an abusive home, and she adopts a little girl. And over the course of the movie, it turns out, hey, there's maybe something a little freaky about this girl. Um, and there's a scene in which the girl, played by, um, uh, I want to say Isabella Furman, but that's not right. It's uh, Jodell Furland, played by jo- Jodell Furland, who is in Terry Gilliam's Tideland, where she's being interviewed by a psychiatrist, played by Bradley Cooper. 
Uh, and it reminded me a bit of Mama, where you have the little girl talking to the psychiatrist, uh, and it reveals a kind of a truth about what's happening. Uh, Dingus, tell us about what you get it of that scene from uh, Case Thirty Nine. <laughs> I like uh, Bradley Cooper's dawning sense of, oh God, she's creepy. And I'm out of my element. And it's also, she's, she's a good enough actress, too, to where she can be on screen with a guy as sort of likable and charismatic and ultimately facile and smug as Bradley Cooper and completely, like, convincingly turn the tables on him. Uh, I really Fa- like that scene. Facile? <laughs> Would you like me to explain what smug means? <laughs> so it's like hard candy meets Silver Linings Playbook. Not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I wasn't really listening. Uh, and i think too of like the uh a few times i was reminded of uh uh barry (laughs) close encounters you know just a little creepy yeah that kid had issues he had what would you say that the the girl had problems but she was specifically demons what what you said that one girl character was she had problems but turns out she was possessed by demons Oh yeah, in uh, in case thirty nine. Case thirty nine, yeah. Yes, oh. she had issues, and the issues were that she's actually a demon. Yeah, spoiler by the way. Well, I I kept Very thinking simple. of of La Casa Muda, which uh, was the the silent house, but the the original Uruguayan silent house, and how well that movie uh, contained the horror inside the house. And used a lot of those those weird creepy elements because when when whenever I was watching this, I just kept thinking, why don't you guys just turn on some lights in the house? I mean, why why is this house dark all the time? Because this experiment uh, wouldn't work. <laughs> and I don't I don't even understand why you are in this house or what yeah. the premise of why why this doctor so says you guys go live over there in this weird little house and we get access to the girls, but you can't turn on any lights and we're just going to have this weird a- atmospheric thing going on. But La Casa Muda, which was this Uruguayan, the original of Silent House, uh, there was a really good reason for that. And even in Silent House, there was a kind of a good justification for it. But I never understood why it was always so murky and dark all of the time in this house. It was just such a weird tone. I didn't get it. In a modern horror movie, if you were going to have a character investigating a scary location at night, I need some reason for him to be doing that. Otherwise, I will think, man, that guy's a dumbass. Right. I need I need some rationale, and uh, Mama just couldn't be bothered. If, if they're going to investigate this cabin, let's do it at night. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was always night when they went, even though they'd set out in the day or even the morning, and then they'd get there. I didn't know how to get the fucking cabin, too, because they'd just show up in the woods right next to it. Well, it was even where uh, where uh, Nicholas Costner Wajnow or whatever, uh, Jessica Chastain is driving. It's like, oh, he's on the road. You know, she just randomly runs into him on the side of the yeah. road. For no other reason than the script needs to have them in the scene together. It just made no sense. There was no well, sense of place or location. Or first call. <laughs> but also, I know if, if I uh, woke up from having been knocked out and I couldn't find my child, I would immediately get in my car and drive away. I wouldn't look around the house and look under all the beds where the kids normally hide or out in the woods up back where one of the kids climbed out the window to go hide. Right. I would get in my van again and just drive down the road for two hours. I would wander into the street at the edge of a cliff and hope that the headlights approaching are my girlfriend. 
Kelly, well, would it be the same cliff that it was at the end of The Hobbit, by the way? Uh, would it be the same hole in the roof of the car that no one noticed in the happening? One, two, three, not only you and me, got one in ah. and I'm caught in between. Counting Don't think I'm not on to you, Kelly Wan. You're... This is your payback of some kind for Silver Linings Playbook. You're going to go, oh, Silver Linings Playbook's your favorite movie of 2012. You know what? Happening's the greatest <laughs> script ever written. <laughs> and you're uh, come on, does it... John Leguizamo, doesn't he have to, like, do math problems to distract himself? Yeah, while remember that? Zim through the hole. If he's such a genius at math, couldn't he see how many centimeters by the hole was? That's... Uh, speaking of geniuses, yes, yes. Well, speaking of geniuses, Kelly Wan, what is this week's three by three? Stupidest cops. <laughs> and that's all. You got nothing else for us. No. That'd be all funny. Right. All right, good. Talk about it, because we all, <laughs> we all, we've all been there. We've all been stupid and been in the police force. And movies are what we talk about. Well, uh, I wasn't quite sure what to do with this, so uh, I just picked some cops that I thought were stupid. Um, I guess that'll work. Uh, yeah, my number three pick, this is actually a twofer. Uh, it's the stupid cops, uh, Bill Hader and Seth Rogen and Superbad, and they're stupid cops in the movie, but they're mainly stupid because they ruined this movie that I really liked by showing up in it and interrupting the part of the movie I did like. So there you go. We've talked about that a few times, even recently. Um, but Kelly, so the Walker, actors are stupid. I don't know the character names. Uh, Officer Hader and Officer Rogan, we'll call them. I don't know their names. The characters' names are, yeah, Officer Slater and Officer Michaels. Is that uh, true, Dick? Did you look that up? Oh, yeah, because that's my number one. Uh, And Officer Michaels is Seth Rogan. And, uh, yeah, that was, I I love that pick because they they totally ruin the movie and they make no sense whatsoever. Uh, They don't act like cops at any point and they talk about uh, not blocking his cock. How about that? So Kelly That's pretty stupid. Those are pretty stupid, huh? Okay, good. Although it's two cops, but I'm gonna let it go because they're gonna... they're totally stupid. They oh god, they ruined the movie. They ruined the movie, and it's a great movie. They don't belong. Uh, yeah, exactly. They should get their own damn movie. And it's not just that they don't belong in it; it's that their their scenes go on and on and on. I tried watching some of the scenes this week, and I and I was just th- sitting there thinking because Seth. Seth Rogen helped write this movie, didn't he? Yeah, I think it wasn't it him and Evan Goldberg, isn't it their script? Yeah, yeah, and and I'm thinking, really, you're going to give yourself that much of a scene? You're just going to sit there and keep talking? Just get out! Don't you know what's good about this movie? Cut it out! You think it's the same people behind something like Green Hornet? Mm, you would think that. Huh. Dingus, what is your number three pick for stupidest cop? All right. Here's a here's a line from my favorite, uh, my number three favorite, stupidest cop, and uh, here it is. Ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry. Sounds familiar. Man who would be king. Seaman Beaumont. <laughs> it is not Seaman Beaumont. Uh, it is from uh, a movie called The Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and. And this isn't really fair to these cops. Uh, these are this is uh, this is Sergeant Pembry and Lieutenant Boyle. Yeah, these they're not. This is me. You're, it's not smartest outwitter of cops. <laughs> it's stupidest <being> cops. <laughs> Tom complained. <laughs> uh, these guys are in charge of uh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter when he's taken to Atlanta. Um, 
and they don't know any better. Uh, so it's really these are really most ignorant cops uh, because they're not, they're not aware of what they should be doing and the precautions they should be taking for this particular patient, uh, this particular prisoner. And because of this, because they're not aware of this, these two expert cops who are in charge of this very high profile prisoner, um, they are they meet a devastating end. Uh, but, but part of part of the thing is you know. I'm, I, I kind of feel bad for them because they don't really know what is what the danger is, and when he's taken from his mental institution, the the guys who've looked after him all these years say nobody else is going to know how to deal with him, and and because of the political considerations, nobody cares. But if the but if these two cops were really smart, they and this is one of the highest profile criminals of the time, they would have figured out, hey, what should we be doing here? Should we be a little more careful when we're going into his cage and and uh, worry a little bit more about how dangerous this criminal is. So so it's a uh, it's uh, Sergeant Pemery and Lieutenant uh, whatever his name is Lieutenant Boyle from Silence of the Lambs. All right, Kelly Wan, what do you have to top that? What's your number three pick for stupidest cops? Yeah, that's a good point, though. Like they really should be at the top of their game, but they're so dumb they don't even think about that. My number three is the unseen cop in Poltergeist who let Craig T. Nelson off the hook for infanticide with his, my TV ate her, so I had a midget move in with some flatbeds alibi. <laughs> Was this from the deleted scene? Like, yeah. Is this, is this on the right, criteria? TV ate her and a tree tried to eat your son? All right. Nothing suspicious here. We won't need to take you down for questioning, Mr. Nelson. <laughs> Mr. Nelson. <laughs> All right, good. I like I that. He's funky. All right, yeah. So, let's cop and movie. I like that, Kelly. One, I, d- I wasn't aware we could actually use characters that weren't in the movies. I we- knew you would break my topic, so I was going to break it worse and shit <laughs> you. Well, I haven't broken it yet. So far, I respect the topic. You both, you both, your number three was two different cops. Well, okay, here you go. Here's my number two. You ready for this? Yeah. The entire police force of Gotham City in Dark Knight Rises. Yes, yes. <laughs> For many, on many occasions, they do not. Uh, they, they don't miss an occasion to show that they are stupid. They march all of them into the yeah. sewers. They they fight like armed guards, as if it was some sort of a no, Napoleonic melee where they're standing toe to toe with them. Uh, I don't think there's a sing, except for Robin. I don't think there's a single cop who really knows what he's doing in Gotham City. Matthew Modine does because he's taken on those tanks with a pistol. That's heroic. Actually, James Gordon-Levitt is taking on a a rocket launcher or something. What's his name? (laughs) It's like Commissioner Gordon crossed with Joseph (laughs) Gordon-Levitt. Isn't Commissioner Gordon the same dude? Anyway, yeah, very good, Kelly Wands. The army go, all right, we're going to shoot you. And then he just keeps taunting them, but then stupid shit happens elsewhere, so he gets off. Yep. So, so there you go. So that's an entire – that's not just two dudes I'm picking, Kelly Wand. I'm picking an entire freaking police force for a whole city. What do you think of that? Did that break your topic? No, those are fucking idiot cops. I could totally <laughs> with you. They're lucky it wasn't the Joker, and it was a goofball with a fucking Darth Vader mask. No one can understand what he's saying. The Joker would have put them on a ferry and blown them up, yeah. He would, the Joker would have lowered food to them. Am I supposed to go, oh – this can't last. I'm worried those cops are going to die. Like, the food will stop coming. The food will stop coming if Batman 
kills the guys dropping the food in, and then the cops all starve to death. That's my number one. Okay, sorry. I'll shut up. Was it really? Oh, are you really? Did you? No. No. All right. Minor Dingus, what is your number two pick? And maybe give us a line. Oh, and before you do, Dingus, what was the line you were going to use from Superbad? Oh, well, it's clearly uh, we should be guiding his cock, not blocking it. <laughs> oh, God, I did not need That's that. how they talk. Because <laughs> they have an extended sequence where they sit down with McLovin on his bed and they just right. talk about, you know. Oh, God. Dingus, please don't remind me about that scene. Please don't. Uh, Dingus, quick, get me to your number two. What's your number two choice for Stupidest Cops? All right, here you go. Here's a quote from it. Okay. You are deeply nuts. You know that? Shoot the hostage. Jeez. Got to be Midnight Run. Kelly Wan, do you have a guess? Oh, Kelly Wan, while Kelly Wan Googles it, Dingus, why don't you tell us? Because I'm sure Deeply Nuts Googles pretty well. Well, no, the the, the quote that this com, comes from is, uh, what do you do? You know, you, you go for the good wound, you shoot the hostage, take her out of the equation. Reservoir Dogs? Good Lord, you people. It's Speed. It's the movie Speed. It's Keanu Reeves uh, telling uh, Jeff Daniels that what you do in a hostage situation is shoot the hostage in the shoulder, go for the good wound, take her out of the equation, and then uh, you're fine. Well, where's so, the stupid in this? I don't. I don't. Yeah, understand. he's a genius so far. <laughs> that is genius. That is a genius. It's Jeff Daniels, the idiot, because he get, goes into the bomb thing. Like, oh. Um, this this uh, plays into when I, again one of my memories of watching movies with my dad, and uh, and thinking about. You know, well, why can't you just shoot somebody in the knee? And Dad, going, you, if you shoot somebody anywhere on their body, they're they're going to die. I mean, you can die from a, a from being shot almost anywhere. Your body can go into shock and you can die. You shoot somebody in the leg and they don't get medical attention, they're going to die. So the idea of shooting a hostage in order to take the hostage, this is a kind of a, a trope in a lot of movies. Let's let's shoot the hostage is is ridiculous. So I, I love Keanu Reeves. I mean, absolutely love that guy. I mean, who can't love him? So, But his cop in, uh, in Speed, uh, his suggestion that you just shoot the hostage and that's going to be fine is, is uh, stupid. Uh, Dingus, you wouldn't know this, but Kelly Wan, maybe you can help me out with this. Isn't there an extended scene in Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man where they're shooting each other, where they're to wound one another? Is that the right movie that I'm thinking of? RoboCop Two, he's, he has to wound. No, wait. No, it's, it's a buddy. Three. It's a it's a buddy movie, and the two buddies like just get angry and start shooting one another. <laughs> And it's just playing on that trope that you can just shoot somebody in the leg and wound them, they'll be fine. Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson shoot at each other in that movie. I seem to recall that there's something where they're wounding one another. Uh, I did recently, I can't think of the name of it, I recently did see a movie about two guys that turn into zombies, or maybe it's vampires. Anyway, it's some, they're on some undead, and they're still alive, and they're running around, but they get in a scene where they're having an argument with one another, and one of them's got a shotgun as undead. Uh, vampires or zombies or whatever they are, they're going around the city doing crimes, and they get in a fight at some point, and they're heavily armed, and while they're having a fight, just like two guys might, like, swing at each other and throw a punch or whatever, they start just shooting their guns at each other, (laughs) and there's just, like, gratuitous squibs, and then the one guy takes the shotgun and shoots his buddy and knocks him across the room, and uh, it's it's just kind of that joke, you know, they're undead, so that's okay, Uh, but I recall that, and I wish I could remember what movie that was. They but sound I think more it, like Fun Dead. Ah, very good, Kelly Wand. No, uh, but I think in Harley Davidson, The Marlboro Man, there is uh, a lot of 
there it's it not only is it okay to shoot someone in the leg like Keanu Reeves suggests, but it's something that buddies do sometimes when they have disagreements. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you see that in Lethal Weapon too. That uh, one of their disagreements is Danny Glover says, "I would just shoot him in the leg." Wait, you're going to kill him? I mean, if you shoot somebody anywhere, you can kill them. So the, that whole hostage, just shoot the hostage and you'll be fine. I love well, that. So. Dingus is, yeah, it's Hollywood logic, Dingus. In Die Hard right. 4, doesn't Bruce Willis shoot himself through the head to shoot? <laughs> if you're confused, yeah, right. you're confusing Fight Club and Die Hard 4. Which is <laughs> a common mistake. Lots of people make that mistake, Kelly Wand. Uh, All right, let's uh, go to Kelly Wan's choice for the number two stupidest cop of all time. My number two is the cop of Paranormal Activity 3 who didn't arrest or question anybody for the homicide of the boyfriend, despite all the tapes. And despite uh, probably the case files for the the Craig T. Nelson poltergeist case. Yeah. You'd think he would have been... uh... Maybe he got transferred (laughs) because of the poltergeist scam. (laughs) And then he gets to that place. And it's right. Like, you're like over two now. Yeah, you're just not you and Ghost. You just they're just too you're, they're too quick for you. <laughs> so they, they you just get bumped down all into right. Gotham, <laughs> where they Gotham is where they take all the stupidest cops on the planet and put them in the sewer and feed them donuts on string. That's my number uh, two donuts on right. string. Very good. So we are now down to our number one choices. Dingus, yours is super bad. Uh, good pick. My number one choice for a stupid cop. Uh, I actually love this actor. He's, maybe, uh, he's a director, and every now and then he acts. Uh, there's a scene in the movie Gridlocked where Tupac Shakur and Tim Roth uh, are, are leaving a, a tenement building on a fire escape, and some cops accost them. And one of the cops is played by John Sayles. Uh, and while the cops accost them, Tim Roth drops a bag of heroin. And John Sayles, as a cop, is literally standing on the bag of heroin, uh, berating them, uh, and uh, and has no idea he's standing on heroin, and then ends up walking away. But it's it's one of those scenes where, like, uh, you know, the audience is like, oh, is this cop going to look down and see the heroin? And no, he doesn't. Uh, so, stupid cop, John Sayles in Gridlocked, standing on Tim Roth's heroin. Sayles, Gridlocked, standing on... Tim Roth's... Got all that, Kelly Wand? Heroin. Yeah. Whose turn is no, it? There's no oh, E at the end of heroin, by the way. So, you know. so, Kelly Wand, what is your number one pick for a stupid cop? But there's one on morphine. It's not morphine, right? That is a good point, yes. Unless it's Power Rangers. My number one is in RoboCop, uh, Nancy Allen and RoboCop before he's... Robocop, who's just cop, go into the warehouse to kill the dad from To Die For. And then she corners a black dude taking a leak. And then he turns around and then she stares at his dick. And then that gets him the edge. And then she gets captured. And then the other guy, and then Peter Willard gets turned to Robocop. So because of the, she fell for the dick trick, that mm-hmm. makes her the stupid cop. Kayuan, do you think that tra- that changed how they trained police officers in Detroit? No, they trained they trained them with black dicks before, but she thought she was still in training. Dingus, should I have not asked him that? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, it is it is a weird moment. It's sort of like really, Paul Verhoeven. Really, that's going to be the See, thing. All right, fine. Flipping the he's flipping the uh, stereotypes around yeah. instead of the chick's boobs, it's the dick, Tom. Fortunately, we don't have to see it. 
it's all in your imagination, Kelly Wand. It's implied. Yeah, let's it's see the dick. We see guy get his hands blown off because that's cool. <laughs> we just can't see a black guy's dick because that. Oh, it's too damn it. It's a thematic element, practically. It, it's an implied penis. Uh. Too so too. let's do uh, runners up. Uh, I I almost picked the SWAT guy in Die Hard who pricks his finger on a rose bush. <laughs> I must pick the dispatcher from Die Hard who won't listen to him when all, there's all this stuff going on. <laughs> That's right. Can you get off this line? Just leave me alone. By the way, Dingus, speaking of dispatcher, uh, you probably have you watched the trailer for a movie called The Call with Halle Berry taking 911 calls? <laughs> That's awesome. I can't did wait you, for that. Did you watch that? Yeah. Dingus! Uh, what? Do you, know who, do you know who directed that movie? Uh... It's a Brad Anderson movie that you've just Oh, no, what? Nice work, Dingus. Way to go. I hope you're happy. Uh, I didn't watch it. Don't watch it. I already did. But Tom knows what it is, so he ruined it for himself, too, didn't he? Well, I, I stopped watching it, thinking it might be good, and then came home to see who directed it, and was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't watch it. It's a Brad Anderson movie. How far in did you get? Uh, Halle Berry taking the call. Oh. I closed my eyes pretty quickly. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I stopped looking pretty quickly. The only uh, trailer I watched was something about a uh, a 16-year-old girl who's going to be a witch, and Jeremy Irons is like her dad or something, and she has to decide whether she's going to be a good witch or a bad witch. Ugh. And it seems like a metaphor for puberty. Thanks, Stephanie Meyer. Exactly, yes. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. Did you see the Stephanie Meyer alien abduction? No, Sir Ronan is in that. Um, for, there's some, uh-huh. Who's directing that, by the way? That's... For some reason, the director of the host is someone I care about. I can't think of who that is, though. Did you see the rom-com with zombie movie? It's like the zombie no, movie. and that's a director I care about too. It's uh, the guy who did All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Uh, Can't you just call it a zomcom? That's uh, already taken. Dingus, sorry. Dingus Shaun of the Dead used that. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, what's the guy's name? He did All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, and then he did The Wackness, which wasn't as good. So oh no, The Wackness rules because Olivia Thirlby. There you go. See? Well, that's the guy, uh, Warm Bodies or something? Is that what it's called? Uh, no, I like it, because Olivia Thirlby. I can think no, of no, no. Leavesman, but it's not Leavesman. No, no, that's the that's the guy who did uh, Battle LA. Battle LA. LA. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, stuff. yeah, that's we'll be seeing that for this podcast. Uh, and I think it's Nicholas Holt, if I'm not mistaken, the kid from About a Boy, all grown up. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, I want to see that. I don't know actors. Don't confuse I, I like Nicholas Holt a lot. He, yeah. he was also in X-Men First Class. Which X-Men was he, Dingus? That's the appropriate tone. He was Hank. He's Beast. What? Really? Wait, I yeah. thought yeah. Frazier was Beast. During the, last, last, the next to last. last. Oh, right, right, right. The, the teen X-Men movie that you're I talking about. Wasn't oh, that Nicholas, Nicholas Frazier? Nicholas Holt. I think that was Nicholas Holt. I think, and I think, no, maybe it was. Is that his foreign name? No, you're right. You're right, Dingus. That was definitely him. Uh, and the director of Warm Bodies, who did the Wackness and all the boys love Mandy Lane, is uh, Jonathan Levine. Ah, uh, Levine. All right, good. Yeah. So who was uh, that number four. Who was what? Who was number four? I. <laughs> uh, for a runner-up, I would also choose the idiot cops in Tintin. Who uh, oh, discovers the guy who stole the wallets and believed that he's a wallet collector? <laughs> Dingus, don't even. Bur- Why would you do that? First, he re- Kelly. First, he reminded me of that awful scene sitting on the bed with McLovin is super bad, and now he's making me think back about Tintin. Yeah. What's up? 
Why is Dingus anta- so antagonistic? He remembers uh, a lot more Tintin than we do already. Speaking of antagonistic, how do you how do you feel about the cops in Four Lions? Uh, I don't. I don't recall disliking them. Oh, are you talking about the is a bear is Chewbacca a bear that scene? Yeah, that's. Yes. I think I'm okay with that. You know that that fit in with the tone of the movie. That movie was allowed to have stupid cops, but yeah, they were stupid cops. I like them. As a matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to put them on my list uh, instead of the guys from Superbad, so that you can have them. <laughs> All right, Wait, thank you. I gotta. Okay. Yeah, and also, it... just on principle, I would put any of the cops in Crash. <laughs> I agree with that. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Damn it. Wow, now he's going there. He's bringing up Crash. Oh, good lord. That's a good one. Fuck. Dingus, that's, just, that's beyond the pale, Dingus. Yeah, that's not... That's that's dirty. Well, I kind of struggled with, with corrupt cops versus incompetent cops and stupid cops. and Anyway, so... But Crash is just overall so stupid that I felt bad. It just felt, like, too too easy. Kelly, one, do we have any listener submissions for stupid cops? Also that and Dirty Harry Four that like Asian dude who goes I give this murder a three, and like that guy's kind of dumb to me. What a jerk! Yeah. And Jay Leno in Collision Course. Uh, Fred though writes, love the podcast. I don't know which one he means. <laughs> well, gentlemen, did, did he what? use that same sort of sneering voice or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking asshole font. God, what a uh, jerk that guy is. Jeez, Fred Bo. I know. You know, I'm not going to read what else he wrote. He's already been <laughs> Fuck you, Fred Bo. Love the podcast. Sorry. God, being all facetious towards us. What a jerk. <laughs> Your cat's having a shit fit. Appropriate. Oh, well, gentlemen, these three movie cops are stupid in three different ways and in no particular order. Let's see how they make up their own rules, Tom. <laughs> it does need an order. Oh, I. George Gaines in Police Academy. He was the dumbest cop. I guess he was pretty dumb. But he had a fishbowl, so it's like the dumbest guy, the most fragile. Jackie Gleason smoking the bandit. I thought his son was dumber. Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Oh, <laughs> poor Keanu. Uh, by the way, so you mentioned a fishbowl. Uh, one of the things I've missed in the short Mama, sorry, going back to this, is one of the little girls had a fishbowl. You guys remember yeah. that? Yeah. I love that little detail, and we don't, you know, instead we get the dachshund who vanishes halfway through the movie. Sorry, I had to go back to Mama. Well, one of the things that's great about that moment is there's the, there's a feeling that this is a singular moment, that she's taking her fishbowl and they're right. leaping or something. There's something yeah. different happening here. Yeah, it's, and it's, a, it's all implied, and you get to sort of fill in the blanks, and once it's spun out into a full movie, they don't give us the fishbone or any motivation like that. Whatever. All right, sorry, Kelly Wan. So that was, I actually, I believe... There's no follow-through on the dog, either. Right, that's what I brought. Thank you for reminding me. I, yeah, I brought that up. Yes, thank you, Kelly Wand. Exactly. Uh, by the way, you know what else Fred Bo's a real jerk for? Derailing us by bringing up fishballs. God, can you believe that guy? Yeah. Love the podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, good. Those are good picks, Fred Bo. Thank you. Paul Weimer writes that he's going to skip the Keystone Cops and go for some more recent with sound, and that he riffing off of Tommy predicts a 23.45% chance one of these will be scooped. <laughs> Judge Reinhold's Detective Billy Rosewood and Beverly Hills Cop. But was, he became chief later, didn't he? I think so. Well, you know what, Kelly Wan, just because you're successful in politics doesn't mean you're intelligent. Ah, politics. The politics of the police force. Exactly, Tom. Thank you. Inspector Clouseau, yes. Mm-hmm. He's dumb and lucky, though, like Forrest Gump. Uh, Naked Gun, Frank Drebin. 
I guess there are like iconic dumb cop characters that. Um, right. Yeah. Good it's picks what, from Paul. It's not what I was after. I wasn't after actual. Okay. Robert <laughs> Armitage, Reservoir Dogs, Mr. Orange, for telling Mr. White he's a cop. Yeah, but it's under duress, though. He's going to about to die anyway. Yeah. I can cut the guy a break. I see I see where uh, Richard is coming from, but I could cut yeah. the guy a break. But Our, I thought he told him too late. <laughs> Maybe. Because now he's yeah. just going to bum him out. Like, he may as well not even tell him now. Now he's just being a dick. It's not going to matter. <laughs> right. It's making his last few minutes. Now, now he's going to go crazy and probably get shot. So okay. right. Slither, every cop who didn't immediately run like hell from the giant womb ball that used to be a woman. <laughs> and that go to the mouths. Whatever's about to happen. Uh, Robocop Murphy. Why is Murphy a stupid cop? You're in a Paul Verhoeven film. People don't just get shot in PV films. They decorate rooms. So if you want to get all TJ Laser on Red Foreman... Very nice. Uh, who is the woman in Slither who turns into the red ball? Or the womb ball? I th- for some reason, I think that's someone of note, isn't it? It's not Banks. Hmm. Is it? All right. No, I don't think it is. Uh, I'll look at it later after you've lost. Oh, wait! Jeff Sweet! Yes, number what does he three, have for us? Number three, yeah. Deputy Wendell, No Country for Old Men. The guy says it's a mess, ain't it, Sheriff? Oh, is it the look? Oh, whoa Differences guy? Garrett Dillahunt? Garrett Dillahunt. Oh, very good. Uh, Inspector Thompson, Gosford Park. I'll be right back, guys. All right. Bye, dingus. And number one... Oh, oh, it's his other number three, apparently. But it it says the entire Gotham City Police Department. Tom? Sweet. Yes. Awesome. Great minds think alike. That's the only one that that has multiple votes. So they are officially the stupidest cops. Gotham it is. Police it wins. Yes, very good. <laughs> Everyone agrees on this. <laughs> All right, good. Are you ready for next week's three by three, Kelly Wand? I am. You've actually inspired me. You and the movie Mama have inspired me for next week's three by three. So mediocrities. Basically, yes. <laughs> uh, I want from you the least scary monsters. Now. The, the caveat is, the, the, the criteria is that the movie has to think they're scary. You can't do, like, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, a giant tomato's not scary. That doesn't count. That's not a real monster. It's not trying to be scary. I want something where the movie thinks the monster's scary, but it's not. For instance, Mama. Uh, I think we saw an example of that. So, least scary monsters. Kelly Wand, any questions? Well, Mama's was, she was kind of scary. Well, she was flat. It tapped into our fear of flatness. Huh. Right, exactly. Flat People face. who could like press themselves up against a wall so so flat that they're just a little bundle of hair. Right. Yeah, Everybody's that's terrifying. Or or to you know hide under your bed. What about human monsters? Human's not a monster, Kelly Wand. Oh, but like Hannibal Lecter, but that not guy, a monster. Sort of... Not a monster. He's monstrous, but he's not a monster. See. What about dinosaurs? Mm, nope. Those are actual animals that exist. <laughs> animals. <laughs> All right, so a monster cannot be an animal. So Jaws is a monster. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to back off on that. If the movie portrays it as a monster, it's allowed. But I, I hope you're not telling me Jaws isn't scary. First is Alien an animal? Or uh, it's a xenomorph, as everyone knows. Uh, Plus, it is scary. Nobody's going to pick Alien for this. Everybody is a monster? Now you're spoiling what people might pick. 
So you know what? I'm just for that. I'm taking the space worm off the table from Prometheus. That's off the table, and Mama are off the table. Oh, I so just I want zombies in Prometheus. I wasn't even talking about the monster. Monster is uh, interesting. Well, you know what? Uh, okay, everything in Prometheus off the table. Everything in Mama off the table. So those are great examples. The goofy uh, zombie and, and the snake, uh, the whatever alien snake thing, not scary. I, I didn't think. What about the Dianoga? I, 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 wait, wait. In in Prometheus? No, in Star Wars, trash compart- compactor, trash compartment. <laughs> I think you're no, because now you're listing listing possible candidates. I shouldn't have asked you if you had any questions. I knew you'd ruin it, Kelly Wan. Nice work. Uh, oh, however, I, I I will let you choose things in the cantina. Oh, hammerhead, for instance. I just wasn't because it's, uh, it's an eye on a stick in the garbage thing. I guess it doesn't get crushed for some reason. But anyway, um, and you don't know what what the rest of it looks like though. See, I thought that was just the whole thing. Well, actually, you don't know if you had the the plastic Death Star when you were a kid that had a little – it had foam bits of trash in the compactor, and it had a little Dionega figure thing. I like Mickey's say it, but yeah. <laughs> was it just a, a stick with an eye at the end? Or was no, it, like- it looked like – it was kind of like a little – if I recall correctly, it was like orange, and it was like a little Loch Ness monster-y kind of looking thing. It looked like a Pleosaurus yeah. body or whatever, I think, and it just had that, that eye at the end of its neck. It just leaves so, them alone after a while. That's how George Lucas wrote the end of that situation. Yeah, well, that's that's a very uh, Lucas way to handle it. So, all right. So, uh, least scary monsters and Kelly Wan. Speaking of, maybe you know what? Maybe this movie will have candidates. Huh? Uh, so no, that's right. We'll we'll find out next week. We will be seeing Hansel and Gretel, the remake, the new one. Don't don't go see some like 1930s thing from the one with rap in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything with the rap. Yeah, this is the, the, the new, I guess it's a reboot of Hansel and Gretel. Uh, join us for that next week. And if you want to uh, submit your 3x3 three three for least scary monsters, send it in to 3x3, that's 3x3, three three, at quarter to 3com We would love to hear from you. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined this week by Christian Murdowski. It's actually Christian Murdowski. And Kelly Wand. Is a witch a monster? Kelly Wand, do you have a canadote, by the way, for this yeah, one? Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I saw a sign on cardboard while I was crossing the snowy street, and it said... Free lawn with house, $1,200. Did you buy it? The sign, yeah. <laughs> Did you have a Winnetka Oh, uh, let's see, a Winnetka dote. No, I'm afraid not. Uh, let's see. Kevin, do you know it's freezing cold down here in California? It's unlivable. It gets down into like the 40s at night. What do you think of that? You guys aren't allowed yeah. to say freezing about anything. It's awful. It, it's it gets so cold here, it's the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit. Wait a minute. Hey! Does that work? <laughs> I don't think that's possible. What is it in Kelvin? Uh, three dinguses and a half pint. <laughs>
Vingus outdoorsy. <laughs> uh, touche.